This is Idiot Mystic, and I'm with Janine Bolin. Hi. Hi. Great to see you. Well done on the pronunciation. It can always trip you up. I know. Yes, we just we just talked about that for. That's the only thing we talked about for a minute. Nothing crazy. We don't know each other. Um. So I guess I, I've I read all the stuff. There was a. A decent amount of information about you out there and what you do but i can't i can't paraphrase it or repackage it into a single sentence so if you had to explain to someone why you're on the internet talking about stuff what why are you here i am here because it's a part of my job and I really don't know how to share it more than that. It's like I've been on the radio since 1982. I became an audio blogger in 2003. And then people started calling me a podcaster in 2016. So I've been doing the same thing, but I get different labels. What about that? <laughs> is, is it weird that after I read that you were on radio when you were and I, and I hear you speak, you can see like traces of like radio DNA and broadcasting DNA, but then at the same time, you're producing stuff right now and it seems very current. So it's like almost, that's why I said, I don't know how to describe what you do because it's confusing a little bit. It's like, yes. it's, and almost like, uh, I feel like that's a sign that there's usually something there, whether whatever it is, when something confuses you and it's the same words that other people use put together in sentences that other people put them together in. But you're like, what is this? What is this person? How is this an actual human? So I guess what do you when you started broadcasting in 1982, what do you think? Did you think this is what you'd be talking about now? No. And when I say this, what are the kinds of things you find yourself talking about now in 2024? It is dependent upon who my audience is as to what I am supposed to speak on. So seeing how this particular moment that we are in right now is the Idiot Mystic podcast, I move into my true self. I can be my true 100%, no holds barred per person, like what I truly came to this planet to present. However, in 1982, had I started presenting in that level of authenticity, I would not have had a stage or a platform to continue on. Therefore, negotiations and other sorts of filters were put into place that I no longer have. And that's that's a great place to start, I feel like, because mo I guess if someone else was like, okay, wait, I this immediately sounds great. I also want to be my true self. Did you strategically and intentionally wait to be your true self? Or was it that in that time there wasn't the opportunity? So you continued working and building what you could? Like, how does someone, I guess, since you've been open enough to start with it right off the bat, if someone immediately is like, oh, this sounds great. Like, this sounds like a, I just want to be myself. 
So what would, did you know you were going to reach that point eventually where you could unleash or did you at some times feel like, will I ever be able to be my full self? Well, first of all, realize the language that you're using did not exist in my world in 1982. So the language that we're currently using was not in any framework or reference I would have had in my brain or in my DNA. I knew that I was supposed to be on radio. I knew I had a message to share. Is it a singular message? Absolutely not. Depends on the people listening in the moment. But I knew I needed to be in broadcast and I needed to be, and the only word I had for that time was I needed to be a voice. And the voice was a voice of reason for a group of people who were unreasonable, a voice of patience for a group of people who were infinitely impatient, and a voice of hope for those who felt alone. And... These are, I guess, how old were you at this time? I was a senior in high school. So these sound like pretty lofty and like kind of meta things for a high schooler to want. And And that was my challenge. Honey, that was my problem. That's how I thought. That's where I was. And I was told I was idealistic. It would never happen on planet Earth, blah, blah, blah. And and I'm sure you've you've had enough guests. You're so good, you know, that... I guess my question was that person in high school who you're describing with these thoughts, I feel like there must be other people out there like that. And I guess if you could tell yourself something now or just kids who think on a scale that is outside of their micro habits, like they're like, I don't care what I'm having for breakfast, really. Like I'm not obsessed with like new tech or new movies or whatever the kid like culture. I feel like there are kids and even adult humans who think in broader sweeps or broader strokes, I guess. So how did, did you, were you able to get any support at the time for the way you thought, or was it lonely? I was fairly lonely. I did have support with uh, students or other people who were in what we called the pre-college program. So let us let me, if you don't mind me taking you back a little bit, in 1982, I was in a little town called Donovan, Missouri, which was 10 miles from the Arkansas border. Now, my father had been in the military, and I had traveled the world by this point. I had been in Japan. I had been in a little island called Eleuthera in the Bahamas. I had seen different cultures and different ways of being. And then when he decided that he was going to retire from the military in a little place called Ripley County in Donovan, Missouri. And I was in a town of 1,800 people, and we had a traffic light, but it blinked red on one side and yellow on the other, and it was for the four-way stop that the drunks used to drive straight through. This was a way to keep the fatality down. So this was the Arkansas, Missouri, Ozark regions foothills that I was in as a world-traveled highly intellectual, analytical woman. That was a problem because I did not fit any stereotype that the women of that culture moved in. And I I just, 
while I was listening to you talk, I realized something that in the current, like the current way that history is portrayed and even our the last 50 years of human development, it seems like a woman like that or a young woman, little girl, this type of person, I'm not trying to gender box in, but that person shouldn't have this much resistance in uh, the civilized world or what is called like what what definitely considered like after the let's we're in the 80s at this point so at this point considering all the insane like press about how savage and oppressive and misogynistic the outside world is every time i meet someone from the 80s 70s 90s who describes the extreme resistance they encountered as women in america and then my own like my grandmother owned a school in Pakistan in the 80s. My, my All the women in my family did crazy weird things in Pakistan. But then I meet women here who are oppressed to the point that they're telling me they've like run away from their parents. They've like tried, they've like almost killed a spouse, like all these crazy things. And I'm I'm just surprised like the re, this place you're describing, did it resemble what America is today? No. And but what was it more like, like, I guess, culturally, if you could describe what you perceived it as then, because I'm confused every time I hear it. It was more like the 19, the late 1940s, and it had the progression of moving into the 1950s. And that's just sometimes shocking to hear because especially people from, uh, like other parts of the of Appalachia, I guess, or other like underserved regions of America tell me stories where I'm like this, you're just making that up. It couldn't have happened. No one would have thought like this. No. And I guess it's, it's always surprising. So I guess I'll please continue with that. But I guess I'm curious as to how that little girl escaped that kind of like, I guess, what is the modality of resistance for other people who are like, wait, at already within the first like 10 minutes, you've described a circumstance that you shouldn't succeed out of. And then somehow there's this comes out of it. So if people want to know if you did something then to make it happen like this now, did you do anything? Yes, I did. I read every book I could land on in our local library. I became friends with the librarian, and she saw a spark in me, and then I began to work in the library. And I know right now we have a lot of access internet-wise, but there are still pockets of the population that do not have access to the internet. And so for those who are struggling, your library is your best friend. Find a way to get there, find a way to befriend a librarian, and find a way to get to those books. And one of the things is, what books, Jenny, what should I read? I say, read anything that draws your attention. It'll keep your brain activated and you will get ideas. So I always talked about the reason I read so much is because I like to have conversations with the authors and people thought I was crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, but no, they're talking to me through their writing. And then I would start to feel emotions and I would start to have feelings and I would connect with, uh, with the authors in a very unique and subtle way that helped guide me then to asking questions in a very specific way. 
The other thing that's helpful was to get into the pre-college programs that they had at our school and was limited to only 18 students. I made sure I was one of those 18 students that was going to college. How? I had no idea. I was the first generation in my family that even had that lofty of a goal. So that kind of lets you know a little bit. There was a lot I was working on. And and I'm re- sorry, I got a little too excited when you said that. Um, <laughs> I guess what 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 were your parents thinking or the people around you at the time when you would be this kind of like a like an inquisitive person who's younger and interested in weirder subjects or like asking questions like I I guess I'm wondering how did and you might think like why are we spending so much time on your childhood because I feel like we will talk again because I I feel like this that child is you right now you just have more like there's more mass on you and there's more stuff but at the end of the day you are that child grown up so I'm wondering how did did you feel seen by other people around you besides the librarian or did you think people saw you as just a kid um I was not seen except by the librarian and my physics professor uh Mr. French yeah and those were the people and why do you think that is like what causes society to not see people who are thinking in this way uh at that time It was because I asked too many questions and I made people uncomfortable. And if you're made uncomfortable by a person's presence, you will ignore them. And do you think that that's like, is that still the mechanism today of why people who would be born 10 years ago and be similar to you are still facing resistance and aren't like some kind of venerated part of society? Like they're not like, oh my God, this kid is thinking about what happens after he dies when he's nine. We should talk like this kid should be in a separate group. He's not thinking about Fortnite, which is, I'm just saying. Um, so do you think, what do you think the reason is for that? That the kids, they're sit, like they have gifted programs, have all these things that still just push the vector of productivity in the children. So... And you clearly are a productive person now, but it seems like you're not a work, like no one is beating you into working. You're not. So I guess, why do you think, and what would you say to kids who feel like you sounded or you sound like you were? I tell them, I said, you know how when you lay in bed at night and you just know stuff, nobody's taught it to you, nobody shared it with you, you just know something? And they go, yeah. I go, and you know that little voice that says, don't give up. It gets better. And they're like, it gets really quiet sometimes. I don't always hear that voice. I said, you remember the time when you did? And they go, yeah. I'm like, don't you dare give up on me. I need you. And I guess that that resonated with me immediately. But what is that voice to you now? Like, what do you, is that just like a defense mechanism of the mind that, like a biological protection or are you like a soul person is there is there a higher self inside us i don't know okay since you have never met me realize that my training 
became analytical biochemistry, and I started to study the cell at the molecular level because there was this really cool project I wanted to be a part of called the Human Genome Project. And the goal was there were a lot of us idealists in the scientific community that was really excited about being able to cure disease at the genetic level. That was the intention. That was where most of us, our brain was at that time. And to be a part of something like that was great. And then I moved then to food for the 21st century, which was the other thing that we were doing. And so I know with GMOs and all that, people get very uptight, but please realize the scientists at the time saw the population curve happening in the world. And so our response as a society, as well as somebody as an individual was, well, we need to find better ways to make more food so that we can help feed the world because we're so good at feeding people here in America. And now you may not say think that way, but I'm just talking from an agricultural standpoint and how efficient we are. Please don't, uh, it, a, a metaphor will always break down. Yeah. Uh, so that was my training and all that kind of stuff. So to answer your question as to my belief system and all that, I allow people to believe whatever they want, but that small, still voice still speaks to me. And that small, still voice is me talking to me. But the small, still voice has the 80,000 foot view of everything that I am as the little avatar that runs around in this cute little meat suit experiences three-dimensional space-time. And I guess it the I don't know which how what order the episodes get uploaded in, which is something I should talk to you about because you're gonna be because I feel like in all your I leave the human I had a human genome project question because I guess one of our co-hosts was the 99th person to be completely sequenced by them in in the in the world and I was just it's just like weird how the same people get drawn to the same things you want to know about your soul usually you also want to know about cells you want to know about physics you want to know about history it all lead it's like a convergent no matter what you're searching for we all end in the same place uh but i guess this view that you're sharing it seems to be pretty uh the reason i mentioned past guests was we just had a a material physicist on who works for the UK government and has worked with the Chinese government and his degree is from the University of Cambridge. So he seems to be vetted in all the on paper senses. And he was like, oh, this is a simulation. This is a game. And then you have Harvard <laughs> physics saying, oh, UAPs are actually time travelers, maybe. And then you have Stanford biology or microbiology that Gary Nolan guy is like, oh, yeah, I've observed uh, extraterrestrial biological samples in my lab. I have them. We have them. Yeah, they're here. And then you're <laughs> saying these types of things. Do you think that this current paradigm is some sort of like a uh, product of entertainment? Like it's some kind of byproduct of people watching too much sci-fi and now it's come into the senate and now senators are trying to pass legislation about spaceships and non-human entities and things <laughs> that you're talking about like extra bodied consciousness or do you think that this is the next step like even though we talk about like we could talk about radio or um how you coach people 
But at the end of the day, it seems like at the bit under all the coaching and radio stuff, there seems to be some other principles governing our world, which are very confusing. They are confusing to the spiritually aware. So if you're confused by life, good, because that's a very high spiritual state. And I'm very excited for you because you're going to ask questions and those questions will have to be answered because you've asked them and you don't have to wait like me for 20 years for the question to be asked and the answer to catch up with you. You have the ability to access the answers for yourself very, very quickly, and you're in a safer place than most people. So if you're listening to this in the United States, so you're in a safer place than a lot of people have been. So that's what makes me excited about right now. And I guess since you said that, immediately my, this is a weird question that I ask certain people, I get a weird feeling from you. And people are like, what do you mean? Like, um, <laughs> and I, it's not like, uh, I guess my question is in all of your years doing <laughs> stuff and talking about having a broader view of yourself outside of your physical lifetime, seemingly that, that you've had, who do you feel like you really are? Because it doesn't seem like you're really just a, a lady from the radio. It doesn't seem like that's like an even even your website. It's almost like <laughs> it. You don't lean into the fact that you could be like your head could be floating in like a cloud of mist or something. Like it's <laughs> there's no element of that metaphysical stuff or implication that you are something besides uh, a person who is really well-versed at broadcasting and can help people find their own voice it's just like you're almost hiding mm. but not is that intentional or is that like a like a uh like a secret bodhisattva kind of thing like you've like you've come back to help people and you are not gonna say how much you know but some of us can tell how much you know and we'll be like okay i see i see what you're saying okay like if are you trying to let people read between the lines or at some point will you show your entire hand? I would not show my entire hand to anyone because my entire hand would destroy their world. But what if they want it to be destroyed? What if they really Then we would start the negotiations at is it a tablespoon at a time? How far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? And then we would coach them on that. For those who wish to be destroyed, there is always that ability to break the training. But just like the matrix, it's like once you make that decision and once you take the red pill, there is no going back. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm laughing because I was like, I was like, this isn't a lady, radio lady. What is she doing? And then as soon as we say that, you're like, oh, by the way, and I just like saw like a whole like a little layer just cracks. So I guess, I guess when you're speaking of the like, I guess a lot of people, including, I guess, okay, I'll ask you a question first. I had a episode right before this, like yesterday, 
which was about three hours with someone who was a, a medium channeler. And I have a lot like decades of dealing with these people. And like, I understand the, I teach meditation classes. I've consumed enough psychedelic mushrooms. I might still have some in my eyeballs. I don't know at this point, like it's been like I've, I have been hit in the head many times as a professional fighter. So we've, the brain has been through enough things to give everyone a chance. And this person was kind of abrasive and aggressive and said a lot of things. But at the end of it, the person, um, he kind of calmed down. I had to yell at him a little bit and tell him, like, relax, buddy. Like, you know, Jesus wouldn't want you to act like this. Mm. He was talking to Metatron, the archangel, but right. Metatron was telling him right. that everyone else is lying, apparently. Ah. So I guess in this case, with with the Matrix and the simulation and this the red pill thing, that guy used this I this metaphor of the red pill and the and wokeness and waking up and um certain we can I'll say the 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 QAnon movement and other kinds of like uh hysteria that is built by this idea of waking someone up. It's similar to like a uh, trauma-based programming. Like mm. if you shake someone up enough, then you, then you can lie to them about other things. So you'll tell right. them half a truth and then right. steer them. You in can lead them down a very dark path. Yes, this is true. Uh, they use it all the time. Mm -hmm. So I guess I instantly felt comfortable saying that to you because I immediately knew that you don't use that. So in these yeah. moments when you meet people who are aware of people out there using, like they would have talked exactly like you almost yes. till this point. And then they yes. take a hard turn and you don't expect them to. And you're already too far in the system or the programming. And I guess, I guess, how do you feel about the current state of that? Because I guess the way you're, you present your offering as well. Um, there are other people presenting something that looks similar because text and imagery is limited in what it can convey. And those people are actually like hurting people spiritually. And yes. I feel like from talking to you, I even feel better now. Like I already feel better. I'm glad to hear that. So it's like, a, <laughs> but it's like an energetic thing. Like you would be acting weird and feel weird if I was acting weird. And I guess I'm wondering, do you think the current state of the world is one where the majority is leaning towards some kind of upliftment or like a awakening? Or is that hope wishful thinking? And it seems like control mechanisms are still in place. And this conversation is on the in the minority of mm. discussion. Well, I definitely think and feel at the same time. So I'm going to say, I think feel <laughs> that, um, <laughs> that we're doing better. I, I have had confirmation after confirmation that we are evolving and we are doing better. And for those of you who have that kind of sensitivity, you know what I'm talking about. It's much easier to navigate around the world right now than it has ever been. And as far as the resistance, if you truly understand how you are creating your life in this matrix, and once you kind of get in tune with uh, 
how this matrix oper operates, then the control mechanisms are no longer something that attracts your attention. You're too busy creating, producing, and reaching those people who understand you. So that's, I feel like this all ties in with what you do. But at the same time, what you do isn't described as like a spiritual practice, or you haven't given it some kind of crazy name that's like, within the current like new age spiritual naming schemes of self help things. So I guess I'm wondering where does how are you pulling back? Because like, I guess I can, I feel very comfortable talking about this you do. You have premium priced services where you can people can have your time and then you have other like group things people can get in touch with you this would be free to access so people would hear your your words so i guess how if someone else were to see you and specifically in the case of i feel like and this is me overreaching here but in the case of people who identify on the feminine energy side what however including myself even the way i present my art is less uh attacky or less traditionally masculine so i guess energetically so my question is how do those people like is there a base way to start finding their true voice that isn't complicated that is just like like a like if they're like okay everything to be like you sounds peaceful and nice to them they're like well you're sitting still that that even feels nice like i don't want to be so twitchy so what is like a base place to start in finding like everything that you found it starts with asking the question question and wanting an answer and, and who do you ask? You ask yeah. yourself if necessary. I, I don't want you reaching outside of yourself. Ask yourself. And look, you teach meditation classes, my friend. So you already have the answer of how do you find your true voice? And you and I harp on this all the time. I know it. But How's your meditation going? How's your I, meditation going? How's your meditation going? That is out of my mouth all the time because that's the best source. I and I guess people always say, and lately I've been hearing people who are a little less empathetic say like, oh, well, you have to decide to start meditating. Like, I can only tell you so much. But I'm noticing that that's what you have to almost like trick someone into meditating because the amount of pain that we're in generally is like a state that makes us resistant to help. Like we just like... I get like almost like someone who doesn't want to be touched when they're sore. They're like, oh, don't don't touch that. I'm like, no, it's going to feel better if you rub it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no. Ah. So I feel like I guess. How how would you convince someone who's resist who's like, oh, I can't quiet my mind down. Meditation isn't for me. What are you? Why would I meditate? I'm already relaxed. People say stuff like this all the time or eat. So I guess. What is your way of 
convincing someone that there is a present in there or some kind of reward for them at the end of trying this practice that makes them feel like hitting themselves in the head? I don't. So it would be, so it is their choice to seek it out. And then once they seek it out, then you could provide further information. If someone approaches me with, oh, I can't meditate, doesn't work for me, and I and they'll list off whatever reasons, I understand that. That's a defense mechanism, right? It's like, I tried it, doesn't work for me, don't give me the same old, same old. I don't want the same stuff as anybody else because I know I have different problems than whoever you've worked with in the future, you know. They make a lot of assumptions in what they what they think they know about you, right? So I don't try to convince anyone to me that is very much against everything I stand for. I only deal with people who want to try to improve and accept that there's going to be a little bit of speed bumps popping up, but no pain. Like, I'm not going to do anything that would put another person in pain. That's wrong. In my, for my life, I'm not a chiropractor. I'm not, you know what I mean? Sometimes you have to have, like you were mentioning, you have to have the pain to get to feel better. I don't operate in that realm. Ergo, a person would not need to move through that. And so the way I talk to folks who say, I've tried meditation, it doesn't work for me. I said, how do you know? And then they talk about, well, I couldn't sit still, I couldn't this, I couldn't that, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's all physical. How do you know the meditation don't work? And I let them sit and think about that for a while. And then I move on to something else. And usually I'm operating, when I'm dealing with people, I'm in a group environment. So I'll move on to someone else to give them time to integrate what I've just said to them, the pattern interrupt that I have used, used very purposefully in their thought processes because the thoughts that they have are not in their highest and best good. And if it's not in your highest and best good, then the universe brings me into your world to kind of shake you up a little bit to get you questioning certain aspects of what you perceive to be your life. I'm the thing is when someone talks, I never, I always call it baby mode, but I put my mind in a place where I receive everything as though I've never heard anyone talk before. And it's the greatest thing ever. And then I can process it later. But I guess if I were to apply everything you're saying, if I'm listening and then I am one of the people whose life you have come into and vice versa or however. And so I guess, how do you think that, how do you, how, I guess it seems like you're serving people at with an intention that overrides consumerism, even though there is a, like a transaction involved in some places mm -hmm. and you feed yourself with like your work there's um it's like when you say like oh people aren't doing the thing that's in their highest good and i don't want them to do that because that's sad like i or whatever the right however it makes you feel or i guess what is your reason for caring about the upkeep of the human race at large and not yourself like because why are they are because the human race is me i am them and they are me and did like you cutting always, off an arm? Did you always know that, or was there something in your life that made you realize that you are everyone else? I 
I knew there was something wrong. There was something askew. And I love that part in the matrix when Morpheus says, you know that you know, because it's like a splinter in your mind. And when I first heard that, because I saw the matrix on the big screen, when I saw that movie, I was transfixed because it was answering so many of the questions that I had. And having that splinter in your mind, you just know there's something askew. You don't know what it is, but for your particular life path. So why do I care about humanity? Because I do not see you as different from me. I see the 98.9% similarities. And then I get to see the cute little 1.2% of you that likes to differentiate from me. And that's why we're going to have fun together on this planet if people will let us. A lot of times people don't want you to have fun. So you have to do something different. And I'm I'm so happy that we're only 39 minutes in. Because this place that we have gotten to, it takes so many hours to get to usually. So I guess now I'm just, I feel so <laughs> relieved. You have no idea. I actually... <laughs> this podcast I told you about, the three-hour one, and I'm not, I even include, I don't edit anything out. I include talking about the other episodes. I include me saying I'm going to end the recording. I include everything. It's to the point where, like, my own, like, unfortunately, like, weird things, like, my son flushing is sometimes in the background because the apartment is small, and I'm like, hey, this is what's happening here. There's a hole in the wall from me trying to nail in these narwhal thingies <laughs> those are great <laughs> <laughs> they're too high <laughs> dude it happens to us all we have this grand scheme and idea and then we go oops i didn't consider that element <laughs> um so i guess we are i'm laughing right now because you don't have the same sense of urgency that um my my male contemporaries or certain energetic contemporaries have in that uh this is a control mechanism the aliens are controlling us the archons are controlling us the governments are all complicit in a globalist scheme against us it's all possible but i'm just saying you aren't telling me to buy a gun which is what the last guy said so which is maybe you still think we should defend ourselves but i'm wondering what is i guess you're pretty chill right now but it seems like if this is the matrix or something similar as described in all the ancient books that have existed since the beginning of time seemingly right who who is outside like so i don't know who i am anymore the more I meditate, the less I know who I am and the less I even understand how to speak. Like, I don't know how these words are coming out and I don't really, I can't pre-plan things much. Like, I can't think because while I'm thinking, I see the layers of like, uh, like human stuff that comes up. Like, oh, I have to say this for this, that for that. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not really being the person who's inside by the time you get out, there's a range of things you add to it. So I guess I'm wondering, who are we, in your opinion? What is that? Like, do you know who you are before outside of Janine? 
is there a name is there like does your soul have a name i don't know yes i know who i am and it's up to you to decide who you are and then i will play opposite you in this great cosmic dance that we are a part of because i can't be you correct the job is taken 24 7 365 <laughs> and, and do you think that's why some people are just like even our people we know family members sometimes you get stuck in a weird place because you're trying to play a role that isn't you like you're replicating other people's intricacies and being into oh, yourself expectations i mean i i think if you've ever read the four agreements you know i think ruse does a fabulous job of talking about the domestication of human beings right and so he does a great job of talking about that and he uses the terms dark magic and light magic and stuff like that and that's just from his paradigm you know that's how he was trained as a shaman so Taking into account, always take into account where an author is when they are writing whatever it is they're writing on. You don't want to move them outside of their paradigm. But for you, you and I and the cosmic dance that we're playing right now, thank you. It's always a delight to be on a platform where somebody has gone through like what you have gone through. And you're so open and so willing to talk about anything and everything. You've given a safe space. And the masculine side of you has created a safe space so that people can come in and chat about what is really urgent to them. But I will share this with you. Unless you are physically in danger, like unless you are physically in a place where your alligator brain, as we like to call it, is firing because you have not a perceived threat, but a threat that is definitely on its way to you. There's no way, no reason to rush. And when you have people telling you, you know, the, the, the things that they tell you and they truly believe it, you know, they truly believe it when they say it to you and they're demanding of you that you move, realize there's still a little bit in the matrix, no matter how, no matter how aware or awakened some of the Bodhishivas are that I have been able to, to meet and talk to. Even the Bodhishivas will occasionally find themselves getting into that programming of they need to move faster. They, they're not fast enough. It's one of the core subroutine programs of why we are on earth. Why? Because if you want to stay alive, my dear friends, you do need to know how to make a peanut butter jelly sandwich and pour yourself a glass of water. <laughs> you do need to take care of the body. And so that's kind of how I perceive certain things. But you ask me who I am. And to me, my dear friend, the most exciting question for me right now is, but who are you? Exactly. In the same way, I've encountered people recently, like I have, we have a co-host, uh, Ronnie Pontiac, who is, was like Manly P. Hall's apprentice for seven years. And I was, I just, I, I ended up accusing him of being Orpheus like a few episodes ago. And he's like, I don't, I don't know. And I'm like, I don't know anymore who some people are because I guess the more you study the avatar concept and the more you feel it, the more you take deep breaths and the more you end up in weird spots. You're like, wait a minute. 
I don't really know who these people are. And when you ask someone, they don't, they're not sure themselves who they really are. Like they can tell you a lot of things that happened to them. But when you say like, but what do you really like? What did you think about before this horrible thing happened to you? They're like, oh, I don't remember. I was pretty happy. I don't remember really anything like I. So I guess when I said, when I asked the who are you question, the more the the other question that comes with that is where do you fall in the matrix narrative or this like awakening narrative? Because it appears that even for me, you're fulfilling a role that I wasn't even expecting you to literally had no idea. I'm amazed, I'm mind blown, to be honest. I'm even act like, I don't know. I wasn't <laughs> expecting this at all. So I guess you see yourself as a Morpheus figure as like, a, are you are you actually a part of the matrix that's designed to help people escape? And that's why you seem a little like not suspicious, just overly informed. Like, like <laughs> overly like, what's informed. Go what's going on that. here? I love we'll that. <laughs> that's brilliant. Thank you for that. I will accept that. <laughs> To answer your question, may I have your permission to share with you a few things about how I perceive the levels of frequency? Yes, at, just go. I like to ask permission. Uh, the first thing is this. We have the physical body, and then we have the astral body. That's the body that shamans use when they go into the astral plane. The astral plane is like an AM radio for those of you who are old enough to remember a dial on a radio. <laughs> Um, the astral plane is very busy. It's like AM. Then there are people who have the spiritual advancement and ability in meditation to move to what we call the causal plane. And that is where our soul resides when it makes telepathy slow. The causal plane has only been discussed by one mystic that I am familiar with, and that is Paramahansa Yogananda. He's the only one that talked about the physical plane, the astral plane, and the causal plane. And he goes, there are planes above that. But he was, you have to remember, he was writing in the 1940s. <laughs> so, you know, he was like, we're just going to try to get you to aware that there's the causal plane. The causal plane is where a lot of people talk about they want to bring that level of love, understanding, compassion, freedom to earth. And there's a lot that has to happen for that. And you kind of alluded to it yourself when you were talking about there's a lot of layers that you have when you think about who you are and the more you meditate, the less you know about yourself, The you know, and you're talking about shedding of all of that humanity, of which Yogananda talks about in Autobiography of a Yogi. He describes the different attributes and characteristics, and he has analytical numbers, like numbers of how many of these things are taken on. So the ancient Rishis of... Uh, India have known about a lot of this stuff for a very, very long time. Uh, they just had to keep it hidden depending upon who was in charge <laughs> during things. And I guess since we're actually, please keep going. I just okay. Think of too many As ones. you wish. All right. And then, and then after the causal plane, there is a place where I have had an opportunity to move beyond the causal plane. And that is a place where it is one with source where you unify. So if you've ever seen Nickelodeon's Avatar The Last Airbender, absolutely love that program. <laughs> I call it training for shamans. <laughs> what they are training you on, 
in the avatar state is the fact that you truly see that you are the creator of your own reality, to use the metaphysical modern language of it, that it doesn't matter how many lifetimes you've lived. It doesn't matter who you are in this moment as far as what you're, how are you going to create the next step, right? And when you become knowing all that you are, and you can see yourself for like uh, Yang, um, just lost his name, Lang did in Avatar Last Airbender. You know, when when he's seeing himself for, throughout the centuries, and that's what happens, is you no longer differentiate the difference between Janine Bolin and Hader and Janine Bolin and somebody else. You no longer differentiate that because you see how you're all connected. I mean, you hear this all the time in the metaphysical community, but to know it with a capital K is what differentiates you from other people who give lip service, but when you know that, puts you in a place where it's very difficult to take on a label, doesn't it? That's why that's why when Eve, when we started talking, I was like, so what did, <laughs> what do you want me to tell people? I don't know what's going on here. Like I, I know you help people, but it's like there's no you don't advertise sorcery or witchcraft anywhere. So I'm not saying you are because let's not I don't. Oh, I, think I was killed many times because of that. So thank you. <laughs> I can only imagine. I can. I, that's why I'm like. I'm even concerned with how. I'm all. I guess not concerned. So when you were talking about that plane, I guess. You've come back from there, and you don't seem. And this is like harsh for me to say, but a lot of people who go there. Because getting there, I feel like, is actually conceivable. Like it's twenty-five too... years of meditating every day. Yes, go ahead. Next, but, but, I, <laughs> but I feel like some people can like are greedy and they'll like do like a high dose psychedelic and try to like break in to the other plane or something. But you won't be I, able to. I feel like I guess so. Even meditators who get there, let's say some of them seem to lose it. Like mm -hmm. when they come back, the information they communicate is accurate, but it's like super sure. And you're like, hey, but if you've been there, probably other people have been there. So let's of just, course. let's correlate all these reports and then see where some of it, like someone's like, oh, my, my mom was next to God. And they're like, of course she was. But also- while someone else was standing there, they may have not seen your mom and seen a deer. You don't know, like it per se. I feel like it, the way the human brain perceives it when they come back is different. So Correct. I guess after your visit there, when you came back, did it feel like you instantly were able to process it all and take it in? Or did it take some time for your body to understand what had happened to you? It took seven days. Okay. Mm -hmm. And do you, would you be comfortable? Like if someone's like, wait a minute, she's saying she's, she's been, been to the place. So I guess, would you be comfortable talking about it even in a vague sense? Sure. Uh, I've written three books on the topic and the book that we we're about ready to describe is finding the divine. So I wrote a book called seeking the divine. The second book is finding the divine. And so let's talk about that experience. 
it took me seven years to get to a point where I could even write the book because it took me a while to find words to describe all that occurred. And I'm just, as one mystic said, well, Janine, you're just throwing your hat in the ring with a bunch of other people that had the awakening experience. And I said, good. Like he was trying to trivialize it. And I was like, no, we can't have enough hats in the ring. Like, I'm like, you know, have you had an experience? You write a book too. You know, like I encourage people to write their stories because we can't have enough hats in the ring. Right. Right. And and that's such a, of course, someone who I'm just saying it, there's of course a male mystic there to cut you down in the like there they show up out of the woodwork they're everywhere they're like it's literally it's like there's a an actual historical record seemingly in mysticism and spirituality of crazy men cutting literally killing women and men who don't agree with their spiritual views and i feel like in this case like it's a miracle. I'm so thankful that you're even here today and someone hasn't like some <laughs> crazy jealous person and cut your brakes or something. Like even I've heard crazy stories about the radio industry in the 80s and just how cutthroat and like weird it was. And being a feminine voice in the 80s. <laughs> I, can't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just scared. So like, let's stay. Let's stay in the present moment where we are, because yeah. to me, this is the most fun you can have is in the present moment. Yeah. You agree? Yes. Okay. So, and I sometimes all right. forget that. <laughs> That's all right. That's my job. But, my job is to help remind people of how powerful they are. So, so I guess who are your hair in the in this incarnation? So in your opinion, do we have anything besides human beings and animals and the known biosphere present on earth that's influencing things? Or is this purely like, is like someone would, someone would say like, Oh, this war is happening and it's purely because some men want more oil or this person attacked this person because he was, like this is all the ideations of men and women and it's all just like epigenetic phenomenon and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, we've we've heard a lot of that, haven't we? <laughs> so so this you... is the thing. You ready? Yes. <laughs> to answer your question. I'm ready, but scared. <laughs> it doesn't beep matter. Okay. It doesn't effing matter. Okay. All right. I've been old school radio, so you always beep that. But I'm like, it doesn't matter. Is it happening in your sphere of influence right now? And the answer is usually no, unless I get on social media and I start paying attention to it. And then my consciousness is drawn there. And then I'm put in a state of either anxiety, dread, or depression, because what am I supposed to freaking do about that? Right? What, what am I supposed to do about it? And you know what I get a lot of times? Nothing. Go on living your life your way, please. And I follow that. The thing is, is people are like, but you should be upset. And I said, why? When I'm in a state of agitation or when I am in a state <clears throat> that is not peaceful, I am not being all that I am. I'm cutting myself off, uh, vibrationally speaking, from that. Now, does that mean that I am always... Happiness and bliss, absolutely not. I'm as human as the next person. 
<laughs> and I have my moments where I forget everything that I am. And all I know is I am ticked off because the washer that I fixed three times is broken again. <laughs> you know, I have my moments. That's... But the big stuff, like the big stuff is who are you? And if you don't know who you are, who do you want to be? What is it you want to be? And if you don't have that answered, these are the questions you need to be focused on. <laughs> who am I? What do I want to be? And then once you understand what you want to be, then go out and freaking be it. <laughs> go be, all right? <laughs> the reason I share that is because everything else, as far as I'm concerned, is a freaking distraction to lure me out of the place of my power, my infinitesimal power. Some people say, oh, it's so tiny. I'm like, no, it's infinite. When I know who I am and what I want to be, I'm unstoppable. And so I guess, again, I guess with the, the understanding, I guess the, the matrix explained I, this whole analogy explains a lot of stuff about, um, creating our reality or the nature of perception but i guess do you think that there is a since you've been up and down the plains and stuff is there a larger narrative at play like a good versus evil greed versus generosity type of thing or is that just that's a, a narrative that people like to follow to like like, oh, I'm feeding the archons by doing negative activities. Oh, there's a guardian angel watching me. Uh, right. Everybody has their story. Yeah, it, right. there's stories out there. Yeah. This is the thing. Uh, we came to this planet to have fun and see what we could create. What are we creating? Are you happy with it? If you're not happy with it, go be what will make you happy. And people are like, oh, my God, you're a part of the happiness cult. I'm like, what do you mean by that? Because I had no idea. This person was like, he was so upset. He was just like, you are part of the happiness cult. And I, and I went, what do you mean? Because I see it more as contentment. I don't see it as happiness. Happiness is an emotion. It comes in at the biochemical level. I know when I'm happy. I know I'm experiencing that emotion. And I'm telling you, I enjoy that, right? But at the same time, I default to contentment. Where I am right now in this moment is the the number one place I need to be, and I need to be fully present in it. And that is a lovely life. And I know who I am in each moment. But as soon as I start going to my past, or as soon as I start trying to project myself into the future, that's when I lose my ability to know who I am and who I want to be. I only know it in each moment that I'm living, because I carry it around with me, every single step of the way. It's in that present moment. But I do know the larger, uh, what do you call it? The larger uh, narrative, that, that was the word you used. The larger narrative is we came onto this planet to see what we could create in three-dimensional space-time. <laughs> and that was our whole goal, was so, to see what we could create. So then do you think, because... For me, when, when you say that, I, I agree completely. And then you hear people 
or not even here, the general consensus is that the ability to create uh, art or anything that you enjoy is a point of privilege. And that <laughs> you, you have to, right? You can't, you can't be a creator because you have to work first. And then if you can create after five, but before nine, because you have to sleep also, so you can wake up on time. And then creativity, you can't specialize in it, but then you're a creative and you're not another type of person and you're like relegated to all the creative people type of things. So I guess, do you feel like there's a reason that people are discouraged from just sitting around and making stuff? Yeah. How do you control somebody who knows who they are and they know who they want to be? How do you control that? You, I guess who was... Who decided to control people like this? People who don't know who they are and don't know how to be. Oh, I never, I have never looked at it as like some type of abuse or trauma chain. Like the people in charge just haven't had a self-awareness or like a chance to take a deep breath. So you don't so you don't think it's like an intentional desire to control simply that it's like the only thing they can come up with almost. Who have you really studied who was a bad guy? According yeah, all, to society. No Literally no one. Even the worst people have an origin story that's worse than what they did. So there you go. There you go. None of us look like what we've been through. None of us. And that's why the Dalai Lama in 2009 said, be kind to everyone, for everyone is fighting a battle. The people who are labeled as the monsters in our human existence either know who they are and they don't care what you think, <laughs> which are some of the psychopaths who are the most confident people you will ever run into in your life. They never question their sanity. They are full court press, right? And then you have other people who are seen as bad guys who found themselves trapped in a box in a corner and they wanted out and they got out by any means necessary. And now we punish them for that. So would you, so I guess I, I'm, again, I'm in the place where I have uh, people who are much more qualified and experienced than me, like yourself. And when I say that, I mean, just chronologically, even like if we're just talking about even radio or recording conversation or anything, I'm just like, we can just like acknowledge things. So in this case, when you're telling me that the, the world is this way, and I'm seeing it as this way. Um, it seems like there are many modalities you can employ to shift your the way things are. Correct. So I guess, is there any way that you would say if someone who is just faced with the the number of offerings there are today, like meditation, crystals, Reiki, sound baths, Mm -hmm. insert a thousand other things there they're all over the place they're expanding yeah. exponentially yeah you it's can, lovely i saw the other like the last time i think i was i was just i was going to pakistan but at the airport you could in in america you could get cupping done at the airport right. and i was yes. like wait 
that seems like really risky like to just get a bunch of cupping done and then fly i don't know it seems like something would happen like it's a very like, old technique it's been around for a very very long time yeah i just i just think it's weird that it's now something you do at the airport <laughs> right that's where the ancient and the modern worlds collide <laughs> in your brain you're like <laughs> so i guess <laughs> do you think that that the current control mechanism is going to fight back because like this conversation even i always say to people when they get really feisty and worked up i'm like hey you know this isn't like a rebellion right we're just <laughs> i'm cooperating because if you've lived in countries where there are real rebellions, then you know what comes with it and the cost. Yes. And we do live in a strange society where you we actually can't say everything we want because there's some subjects that are like, you can be scrutinized for them online in strange ways. Like your income streams can be affected. You can be deplatformed, all that, which is something I wouldn't expect here, like in in america i didn't think that could happen but i guess do you think they will fight back harder to control more by employing more like like food will get more addictive uh strange things will become legalized social mm -hmm. media will become more problematic as opposed to less ai stuff do you think this will be used to control us more or you think they're just going to let go and like give up? Oh, no, that's not the purpose of control. You never give up. And the the funny thing is, is no one can control you if you don't give them permission. <laughs> and you have some people who try to control you without your permission and they're not seen in a very good light by few people either, right? So... It's one of those things of when you are meditating, when you are aware of who you are in the moment, I'm a person, I'm sitting here, I'm meditating, or I'm listening to this podcast or what have you, right? And then you decide that I want to be X person. I want to do Y, I want to do Z, whatever it is. And you set off to do that. The resistance that comes to you can be defined as a positive or negative. In my case, I call them speed bumps. When I have speed bumps in my life, it's to slow down and make sure I'm enjoying the ride. Because if I try to go too fast or too quick on anything, I'm missing out on the ability I have as a human being to savor life. And that is where people sometimes misconstrue control as them fighting back, when in actuality, you're just being reminded, are you savoring the experience here? Are you enjoying it? And some people say, Janine, I have a whopping headache and I am in great pain. I choose not to savor that. Just give me a freaking Tylenol or aspirin or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but what were you doing before the headache? And what were you, you know, you got to backtrack a little bit. You're, you're talking to me about, I jumped out of a parachute, out of an airplane without a parachute. And now I'm suffering those consequences. Let's it's, track back, shall we? It's really <laughs> It's interesting to me that you mentioned the headache because I have like a extremely damaged spinal column. Just we don't need to go into details, but it's I've had two surgeries, etc. So sometimes I have these like headaches that come from like moving in the in a weird angle and I'll suddenly yes. like it'll be like, yes, my left eye and my glute will be twitching. And I'm like, yeah. oh, well, 
I'm not dancing, guys, but my butt is shaking. I'm sorry. It's I can't do anything about this. Of course, uh, I always hear shake your tail feathers, shake your tail feathers. Like, please, <laughs> I'm like, please stop. And I, like even sometimes my eye will like people, I'll be talking to someone and I'll just go like that. They're like, why did you wink at me? I'm like, because I think you're cute. No, I'm like, I'm, just, I'm like talking about their, their father's passing and I just. Oh. Go, them randomly they're like uh why did you just wink at me well that's your grandpappy saying hello (laughs) see i'm such a clown i'm such a clown i'll come up with some goofy reason to get somebody to laugh uh so i guess with that pain that i'm feeling or you i've lately yeah i used to try to like breathe to make it go away obviously that's like just like in but then over time, I started trying to feel the pain more, like just breathe into it instead of out of it and meditate into the pain. And I guess the savoring life thing, like yesterday, I had like a 19 hour headache. So like it was after that crazy podcast, somehow it triggered a headache and I wouldn't go away and my eye was all tiny. But when I was feeling it, I started like learning to... I, not just yesterday, but in general, I've started learning to enjoy the pain, not in the sick kind of physical way, because neuro- neurological pain is different, but like looking at it, like mm-hmm. almost like a monster or something disturbing looking. And I'm just like, geez, like, this is not good. Like, why are you like this? And it's like from studying it more, I even... I don't feel that bad that I lost a whole day to the pain and I feel happy today that I don't have it, but I actually, I don't miss the headache, but I feel like I grew, it grew on me. It's like, it's become, they've become like little characters. I'm like, Oh, you're really unpleasant looking. I don't like you. But so I guess, do you think there is, do you have any pain like that or any feelings that you deal with that are you, would be seen as conventionally unpleasant, but you seem to like process them differently. I did for 17 years until I healed myself. Yeah. That's, you just said 17 years. That's a long, what happened for 17 years? I choose not to go into it because it's no longer a part of my reality. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Okay. But- However, may I share with you some things that might help you with yeah. your pain? May I share? Yes. Okay. So this is the thing. Um, When you see it as a misshapen child or what have you, or as a monster, or however you prefer to talk about it, it's ever so much easier to deal with pain if you see it as kind of a black amorphous mist. And then go talk to your spine and talk to the cells of your body and talk down to the DNA and talk to them and say, what can we do to ease this? Because when you're in pain, it's your body's signal of, I've tried to talk to you in every other way I can conceive of, and the only time you listen to me and pay attention is when I throw you flat on your back and cripple you up. And it's a body's last attempt to talk to you, to show you how you can heal yourself, okay? You can heal yourself. Now, I'm not going to go into mindset. I'm not going to go into any of that. You're too advanced of a meditator for that. You don't need to worry about your mindset. Just go talk to your cells and your cells will tell you what it needs. And I guarantee you, when you come out of that, you're going to start craving some really weird food. Like you're going to be like 
why am I eating handfuls of Skittles? This is like, hilarious. This, <laughs> this doesn't even make sense. This happened yesterday. What's going on? The headache, the crazy super long headache. I could not figure out what to do. And then at the end of it, I just was laying down for the whole day. I messed everything up. I taught the meditation class, though, which was really good. Very good class. I think the pain was helpful in that way. But I ate some grapes and the headache went away. And then I was like, wait, grapes? And I ate more grapes. And suddenly it was gone. And I was like, what did you need? Why did you need grapes? I literally thought that to my body, to myself, like, why did my body want the grapes so bad? Then I, what's happening, Janine? What are you doing? Are, you, are you have a, the ability to are you heal a, yourself. Wait, are you a matrix technician though? And I got too damaged and you're like automatedly popped up and you knew that the day before the podcast, I would have a crazy headache. I'm going to say this one more time. I would love it if you would allow yourself to go back into baby mode. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much. You have the ability to heal yourself of any condition because you are the master matrix technician. I am but a mirror that you see yourself through. Okay? So so let's talk. So let's say, would you say every ailment is like that or every issue is like that almost? 100%. And why, why does, I guess this is, this is interesting because of your academic background. Why is it that we are sometimes told that uh, there needs to be exogenous input to our body to heal it from the, like it's somehow in a non-regenerative state? So like. Right. Well, because most people haven't gotten to the frequency or the understanding of their body and what it is like you don't. Like in the Matrix, you just didn't walk up to anybody and say, the spoon doesn't exist, bend the spoon, right? There is no spoon. It, it took a very different kind of person to be able to do that. So, and as I tell people, if I'm out rock climbing here in the Colorado Rocky Mountains, if I'm out rock climbing and I fall, I want a, a neurosurgeon who went through medical school to patch the body back up because I may be a heck of a good mystic in certain ways, but I still need the body to be cared for. However, for stuff like this that's very internal or things that have happened to me in my past or what have you, I've healed myself of three supposedly terminal conditions that every time came back as we have misdiagnosed you. I went, of course you did. I refuse to accept your reality. I will substitute my own. I believe Adam Savage is the one that says that on um, Mythbusters, right? So there's a reason why certain people have that mindset because they know how powerful they are when they know who they are and they know who they want to be. And I chose to no longer be a woman who was constantly in pain when she had four children under the age of 10 that needed her. And by golly, I was going to figure it out. I was not going to accept what medicine had told me. And it was kind of a challenge for me because my mother was a nurse. 
I worked in the pharmaceutical industry. I worked in the pharmaceutical industry because I wanted to help people heal. I wanted them to have a better quality of life. But then as I started to really learn what we as humans actually have control over, blew my mind. That's, I feel like this is almost, it's not, I guess this is a strange pipeline to get to this awareness. But at the same time, it's one of the, like, I feel like if people who are in the medical field or in science could also take like a 30 day break and study other stuff, they would see the overlap and find the same truths that that mm-hmm. you've come to. Mm-hmm. So I guess right now in it's it's I guess the podcast was all about me telling people's story in a like slow way and a way that like put it on a pedestal almost because like you said you want everyone to write a book and Mm -hmm. I think everyone is super special and I guess my own son made me see everyone as a baby and I always wonder like oh my god you were probably so cute as a baby even though you're terrifying me right now and yelling in my face and it's okay so I guess in your story this like the current awareness of reality did you ever see glimpses of it as a little girl or a teenager or even like were you like wait a minute this isn't real and then you would get snapped into like reality or was it like a sudden awakening where how did it it just seems like such a crazy shift in like where you started and where you are now and i want i was wondering did you plan it did you or did you just ride the wave and see you're like oh this is nice i ended up here this is cool but some people really plan these things out long they're like yeah i knew this when i was 12 and it worked out i I knew i was gonna be a sailor when i was six and somehow they're like literally on a boat Mm -hmm. that's how powerful that we are um to answer your question the first time i heard that einstein wanted to know the mind of God. I went, I don't want to know the mind of God. I want to know what the Hades he was thinking. Because my mother died when I was quite young. I watched her go through a painful death. And having to watch someone slowly die in front of you is, I wish that on no one. But to have that happen at such a young age, and then to watch the reactions of everybody around me, and then to see in contrast to that, how animals are treated with such loving care upon their death. And that same compassion was not shown to my mother. I had some questions for the divine, you might say. And I was ready to become the biggest bitch fest I could be when I got toe-to-toe with the divine. And that's why I call it seeking the divine, finding the divine, and expressing the divine. You know that I'm it's it's I guess and I don't always sometimes people get mad so we can look at through the lens of any ancient religion or esoteric belief including Abrahamic ones but it seems like a lesson teaching from the divine or the other side seems to be so illogical and inhuman 
not inhumane, but because of its lack of humanness, it's distinctly just ununderstandable. So like when I hear about things like this, I immediately was like irritated. I'm like, why did you, what are you doing? It's her mom. Like, why did you, this seems like such a dumb way to teach her that you're there. Like what's wrong with like, can you not think better? Do you not know how to make better storylines? Have you never seen like, but, so I guess this is, this is going to really blow your mind. Forgive me for interrupting you, but no. this is going to really blow your mind. And this is something that you learn. There is no such thing as an overarching God with the main storyline. When you get to the physical plane and then you move up to the astral plane and you go to the causal plane, I really didn't talk much about what I call the white space in my books, but I'm not the only mystic that's been there. There's been hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, I don't know who've made it to the white space. And when you make it to the white space, you come back and you are so altered that people who know you don't recognize you. Like they don't understand who you are. Like, who are you and what have you been smoking is what some of my people have said to me that knew me from before. <laughs> and I haven't been smoking anything, clean as a whistle. The thing is, you realize that that construct is yet another narrative that has been laid down for the domestication of human beings. And you realize it is yet another element of control. If I can keep you focused on there being an external form of control in your life that's to blame, you will not have to look within for the power that you have. Now, every mystic that I have read, whether it was Buddha, uh, Krishna, uh, the the prophets uh, that are seen for certain traditions, religious tradition, every single one of them that I've been able to get a hold of their religious document and have somebody translate it for me because I couldn't read it in their own language. When I have looked at that, every single one of those prophets had one thing in common. They came back and when they were first speaking after the experience of the white space, they all said the same thing. I am God. And that's the big rub. As long as you say that there is a God out there that is not you, you lose your power. You are not in the moment. You're not present. But as soon as you take God within, and certain Christians are starting to get in on this, like, you know, Christ lives within my heart, blah, blah, blah. We're starting to move that divinity in, but we're still not there. We still don't identify with the fact that we can create whatever we want on this planet if we know who we are and we know how to be. And that is heresy to 90% of the population on this planet right now. But that is. So I guess if there is, I guess this is very interesting to me. So if there isn't, um uh like sing singular sentient kind of thing that is source but source is source then why do let's say like we can look at the example of the u.s government okay is- we're gonna stop you right there just a second before we get there let's talk about source because i love that word love that yes. word may may we talk about source yes so we go to source when you go to source it's the aggregate total knowledge and experience of every being that has ever been created 
over every timeline amassed in one place, like in one experience. So it's like the master computer. Like if you were to look at it, I love computer uh, sorts of analogies because people understand that. And when you talk about Wi-Fi and all that kind of stuff, all of us are running around as three-dimensional avatars on this planet, right? Well, this is only one planet of how many? We don't even know, right? We don't even know how many other beings are floating around out there that just look so different from our own existence, right? And if they're all experiencing life in their own perception, their own way with their own paradigms, and they're all feeding that information into one place called the white space, because that's how we perceive it <laughs> when we get back, um, in the white space, that is source, the aggregate total of all. So we are all one and the one is connected to the all. We're never disconnected from that. But we have the privilege here on planet Earth of thinking we're disconnected from the divine. So since you did, since we are connected to the divine, and then some of the mystics you've mentioned um, do definitively believe in like... Um, a narrative like even yogananda or like and they believe in like entities that have a vested interest in earth and like gods that have a desire and um like literally like buddha that didn't was seemingly like finding out the cosmology of the universe slowly the egyptians sumerians everyone seems like alongside the mystic stuff they seem to have a kind of consistent narrative of non-physical entities having a say and influence and like you could even say the stars, even astrology or something like that. So I guess, do you feel like any of those that you have interacted with any of those thought forms or constructs or do they have they not existed for you on your traversal of the plane like has it been pretty just like almost like a trip report like what did you see on your right i i have i acknowledge all of those teachers i acknowledge all those teachers but the thing is when you move up the frequency when you move up the vibrational scale if you will uh, I call it frequency because I always worked with <laughs> frequency in, yeah. in the lab. But when you tune in and you're using those oscill oscilloscopes, you know, oscilloscopes, when you're using that, um, and you tune in to the white space, all differentiation is uh, bare, bare thin. It's so thin. It's so thin because it's all one. And so that's where you have these mystics saying, we're all one, we're all one. That's what they're talking about. However, have they experienced the white space? I don't know. Because when I talk to a lot of them, they've gone up as far as the astral plane. But when I say to them, have you gone to the causal plane yet? That's where telepathy is slow. And human speech is painful almost because it's so slow. And they look at me and go, mm, haven't been there yet. So they're just parroting what they heard. They have an intuitive knowing that we're all one. And so the only reason I'm, I'm bringing this up, it's kind of like the last element of control. When you get ready to die and your soul is being released from the body, one of the very last things a, a soul has to walk through is the feeling that if I walk into that light, 
I will be annihilated. And that's why you have people in hospice that will slowly degenerate over time. And it'll take them months before they die because their soul got to that space, got scared and, and chose not to walk through to the white space because that's the last veil of a lie or veil of uh, of the matrix, however you want to word all that, uh, is that you will be annihilated if you walk through this door. And I guess that's kind of how I feel a little bit when I ask certain questions. I'm like, I'm about to be annihilated. But then I, <laughs> I have to ask the question. So I guess, <laughs> do you feel like things like like global conflict and the way that it's evolved so like let's say we could look at ancient war which was seemingly fought over gods and their their things that were then communicated through men but the nature of that combat and everything else while savage and brutal and well documented was drastically different to what we see now, which is like kind of dehumanized. Like, uh, we don't know who's fighting. We don't know how many die. They're kind of a number. They have a great funeral for their families, but there's not really any... It seems almost like these conflicts are... Um, they're kind of vanilla almost. That sounds bad to say, but they have no character almost. Like the people don't really want to fight anyone. And as you've mentioned, the alligator brain, when someone wants to fight someone, you can see it. They're mm -hmm. like, they're seething. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm wondering what kind of mechanism or what kind of energetic thing or matrix uh, programming has been put into play to where like right now, I don't even, I sense the awakening and everything that people talk about in that like, feelings are valid now it's important to talk about feelings that's the first sign of there being improvement like oh getting your kid to cry it out oh, it's not the best sweet we figured it out with science now great like it like little things like that i'm glad so i guess i'm wondering um i'm wondering do you think that these wars happening right now are evidence that the control is getting stronger in certain ways and the way we're perceiving conflicts on social media and just TikTok protests and stuff like that. Like it seems very much like at the same time that people are waking up, the people in control are employing new technologies and methods. And even you could look at it as like alchemy in some cases like they're straight up going to like sorcery and wizardry and their symbolism and like things that the way things are done and you're just like what is actually going on so like how do you if you were to if someone's like janine what's are they all like child eating satanists are they reptilians are they are are all is all this UFO disclosure by the literal US Senate and House of Representatives and Department of Defense? Is that am I supposed to pay my taxes to these people and not question their sanity? What would you say to someone who's actually like they're not stressed about it, but they're like, you seem to have opinions. What is going on? Why does it seem like a sci-fi movie? Well, 
I have opinions and I have my personal experience, but the most important aspect is what is your experience, right? What are you experiencing? And the thing is this, there are human beings on this planet who thrive over conflict. They want the fight. They want to fight. And we corral them and control them into boxing rings. We put them into areas where they can be aggressors. See, no matter what you want to be, you can be on this planet. You want to be a, a torturing, sadistic, maniacal person? You can be that. And there is a place for you on this planet, and you will be ushered into that place. You want to be a Himalayan mystic that isn't found, and all you do is meditate for your 18 hours a day, and you have a village that brings you food? We got a place for you. It's right here. See, this is Fantasy Island, uh, the old the old movie, right? The old uh, TV series. This is Fantasy Island. You can be anything you want to be, literally. And I know people are like, no, I can't. I tried and it didn't work. And I'm like, okay, did you meditate on it? Were you using inspiration or were you using motivation? I mean, I, I can walk you through why that didn't work. And then other people will say, well, I want to be president of the United States and that's not going to happen. And I went, why? You've already made that choice. See, if when you really tap into your passion, and this is the thing, you don't have to like powerful people, but they are resented because they are perceived as having something you don't, and that's incorrect. When people say, oh, you know, that Elon Musk, he's this, that, and the other, and I'm like, oh, I feel sorry for that man. He cannot turn it off. Like, he is totally wired in and cannot turn the ideas off. He's like Tesla. I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all that he named his car yeah, Tesla. Because sense. when you see, when you talk, you know, when you see the interviews where he's being very as authentic as as anybody can be, I guess, on the internet. But you know, when when you hear him talking and he talks about, well, this is what happened. This is what I was doing. About, I'm like, oh, he he can never turn it off. Yeah. No wonder I, he smokes. No wonder I, he does this. No wonder he's like he's self medicating because he cannot turn it off. Right. So. That's the thing. You you can really, when you start to see what somebody else is coming from, and uh, Donald Trump, the same way, you may despise the man, but yet at the same time, what does he have? He has a thorough understanding of who he is. Now, when I watched the Trump Tower being built, one of the things that people talked about in the newspaper is he could share his vision with a group of people and he goes, when this building is done, the man is in bankruptcy, and yet he managed to get people to buy into his building. Um, anyway, and he goes, when you see this building built, and so what does he have that you don't have? A thorough understanding of who he is and where he wants to go. And his vision is so strong that you, with your little brain and your little pencil and your little YouTube channel, is not going to tell me what I'm going to build. And I'm going to build this. It's that deep understanding of where you want to go with yourself. Now, do you have that? Then you will become president of the United States. You may not like it. You may not enjoy it once you get there, but it'll happen to you if you have that kind of tenacity and you have that level of vision for yourself. And people often ask me, how can you still be standing with everything that's happened to you? And I go, because I have a very strong vision of who I am and what I want to do on this planet. And I know I've been given a bonus round, and I am going to thoroughly savor my bonus round. I, 
I'm I'm so excited by just this conversation because it's funny. It's like ah, uh, it's very strange. I guess I uh I've encountered a lot of uh I I have most of my meditation teachers have been women. The ones who were men are very famous now, but they were guiding Congratulations. little weird directions, you know. And some of the female teachers are also kind of famous. Shout out. One of them works for Apple Meditation now. Oh, bravo. But but I'm just, I've realized that when you, seeing you and hearing how broadcasting has led you to this place, it's kind of uh, comforting to know that the system that, the matrix kind of gave birth to an employee like is almost part of the thing can also be used to break away from it and it's how what it doesn't even make sense is it like a self-detached like is is it made to detach like say you were in broadcasting and then the option is there for you to break away and follow your vision or is it that you have to rip yourself away from it and that's like it i don't know is it is it more like so people who are if someone's in let's say an industry that they don't agree with and they feel is like destroying them they could still use that to mount a stand either against that or away from it we have history examples in history all the time where people are put in positions that they do not believe in. And the old school way, when we were in the age of Pisces, uh, which is the fish fighting the fish, right? Uh, the active fight was to sacrifice yourself for the greater good, right? So you would walk away, you would leave, you would what have you. That was the old format. We're now in the age of Aquarius, all right? In the age of Aquarius, it's all about going with the flow. So I would, depending upon a person's situation, if they were becoming very ill and all that, then I would say, okay, you need to find a different way. But if they weren't ill, if they were just aggravated and upset by what was happening in the world and what was going on, then I would share with them, did you ever stop and think that by you asking the questions, why do we do it this way? What is the intention? What is it that we're sending to a message to our people about? Why are we sending it down this road? Did you ever stop and think you're the fulcrum where change is going to happen? Now, to you, your perception is going to be it's only going to change 1%. But like any great wheel, any great circle, what happens to the rim of that wheel from a 1% change at the hub? And that's what you have the ability to do. We don't have to have the agony. We don't have to have the pain of detaching ourselves by physically removing ourselves and being uh, cut off, right? We had to cut ourselves off, it's, it almost felt like. And yet we are able to live according to the very Buddhist tradition of non-attachment. You do your 1%, you change the, the hub of wheel 1%, do not be uh, focused on the outcome. Go do the next 1%, go do the next 1%, go do the next 1%. And just like Mother Teresa, by the end of your life, we will have physically touched over 40,000 people, <laughs> right? I see what, that's, that's per, so I guess in this case, when people are, I guess I, I feel very much like you've, the way you present your information is exactly 
and I know that obviously it's just my opinion, but at the end of, like you said, 25 years of meditating, the sentences are supposed to come out differently, not because of a standard, because if you do this to your a piece of clay that much, it'll look a certain way at the end of it. So I guess I never, I usually, I don't say stuff like this, but if you, you've already, I feel like energetically, like the audience and everyone I know, we have a little discord server and people talk there about stuff. Everyone's going to be very happy about everything you've said and kind of excited to like act more on these things. Mm -hmm. But I guess one of the things I found in teachers today or people who are in a place of information transfer is that because of the culture and how cancellation works and how stark opinions are and stuff, people don't share their human side as though that would be some kind of like, uh, it would lower their like equity in some way, like as a, as a helper. So I guess if you were, if someone's like, wow, she seems perfect. Like, I want to be just like Janine. Uh, do you still deal with aspects of the world that are like frustrating to the point that someone else would be like, okay, okay. So that still happens to her, but she's saying this so I can try it because she's not denying all of humanity. So I guess what would be your evidence that you are still a person? Because I haven't found much so far. There's, I'm very much, I feel like watching the Matrix movies today. That might happen because of you. I'm actually doing it today. My favorite one is the first one, because to me, that's where all the, uh, that's where all the really deep lessons are. It took them 10 years to make the first one. And then they started making it faster and faster. And so the first one is to me the best. Yeah, I I per I watched it as a kid. So for me, I just was obsessed with the architect. That I was know. my whole thing. Know, right? That was my whole thing. I've posted on like forums <laughs> since the two thousands. Like like who is the architect? Like yes, my I favorite was, was I was the oracle. Oh, I was the you oracle. Are the oracle. <laughs> Thank you. Are, you. Ah, I'm terrified now. I whenever I was think about who do I want to be, I want to be that person in the hero's life that gives them the information they need right at that moment so that they can make it to where they're going. I always wanted to be that sort. And so when people would say, well, tell me the future or tell me this, or they would demand of me to be a type of psychic or mystic. And I'd go, I I would just say, say the term that came out of um Michael, which was John Travolta, I think, said it in that movie, which is like, I'm not that kind of angel. I would say, I'm not that kind of psychic. And they would be like, oh, there's different kinds. And I'd be like, yes. (laughs) You're the only person in my life to make a Michael reference besides me. That movie is the best. It's the bomb. It is the bomb. I saw someone adding sugar to cereal the other day, and I was like, oh, that's like Michael. It's like, what are you you talking about? You can never have too much sugar. Don't let them tell you otherwise. And then the the (laughs) other, the crazy podcast I told you about informed me, crazy in a good way, informed me that Archangel Michael was actually an eight-foot-tall mantis. Hmm. So, so John Travolta is not mantis like, so it was very confusing for me. <laughs> Wasn't well, sure. You know, 
this is the thing. Let, let's go back to what is the most important thing. The most important thing is not what I think. It's what you think as the listener, as hater, whoever. Who? It's what do you think. And what you think is how your reality is going to manifest. And what you feel is your guidance system. And I am not the first person to talk about this. Um, you've got Esther and Jerry Hicks. They wrote the book on the topic, literally asking it is given. And that is the book I go to. And you asked me about my humanness. Of course, I'm still very human. I'm still affected by this matrix. What gives me hope is even Christ has shown throwing the marketplace around because he got pissed off that people were not doing things according to the divine, you know, in, being in a divine state. Anyway, so moving on. The topic is humanness. You're going to be very human. What You have to remember, a lot of our prophets, a lot of the people who had very high spiritual awareness and awakenings were very human, but that was all taken out, right? We're getting documentation and scripture hundreds of years after they were in existence on the planet. So a lot of their humanness is, is not seen. Like, I would have loved to know what kind of jokes Jesus laughed at. I would love to know what was Buddha's favorite form of music. I would love, you know, we're not given the human in any of those things, right? And so you have to go remember where where the documentation comes from and what people were thinking. But the most important thing is, so what are you thinking? What is your favorite form of music? What makes you happy and excited to be alive? What is it that you savor? And then what do you want to be? Because you can be it now in your head and then create the vision. What, what do you have around you when you're being that? Who, who's around you? Is anybody around you or are you alone? Are you in the woods? Or are you on the beach? Are you in the middle of a city because you feel safer there around all that concrete? There are some people that do not feel safe in nature. And to the, those of you, I just want you to remember that technology is your friend and that you enjoy having electrical currents around you because if, as long as electricity is running around you, then you know you're in a safe place. So when you get out in nature, it can be a little disorienting, but I encourage you to remember there's electromagnetic fields around those beings and that trees are wonderful conductors of electricity. So allow yourself to remember that. I This is now, I just tapped to because it's a good no one ever says that what you just said about why there's the hesitance to go into nature like what could be the biomechanical reason what could be the biological reason and i'm also noticing that the same people who don't like going into nature right do love crystals and minerals and i noticed that computers are crystals and minerals and it's almost like a like a closer to technology form of nature so they're like, ooh, let's go to the crystal caves. But if you're outside of nature and the resonance isn't like as high and it's not like a cave full of obsidian or something that's humming, you're still feeling that electronic insecurity. And I don't know. I just thought that was funny. Just I'd never thought about it like that. That's hilarious. Carrying a little like I need electricity somewhere. Like, let's keep it buzzing. Like I need resonant vibration. <laughs> but um, I guess when we talked about humanness and I don't know. You seem, I don't ever meet anyone who actually seems busy in a good way, but you seem actually busy. I've never seen someone in 2024 or modern time who seems 
healthily busy. So I'm, I guess I would, if you were explaining to people where your energy comes from. <laughs> I'm asked this question a lot. Go ahead. <laughs> Is it caffeine? What are, what are we dealing with here? What? <laughs> Believe it or not, caffeine is a calmative for me. <laughs> so you will always see me drinking caffeine when I'm on. Uh, it, well, anytime people are always shoving coffee in my hands, it slows me down. It calms me down. Yeah. It keeps me resonating at this frequency. Yeah. What? Because <laughs> so that almost it almost means that the only way I could think that is work as working is that the caffeine gets into your body and your heart is developed to the point where it chooses not to respond to the caffeine and your brain is like, I like this. Let's take some of it. Let's speed up neurotransmission. But I don't know how that anyway. I guess what I'm saying is. What is driving you forward? You are a mother. Yeah. What is like, if someone is wondering why you care, like what is the bottom line for you in this life? Why are you doing what everything that we've said so far that you do that is good? Why is it being done? It's entirely selfish. It's totally and completely selfish. I will not idolize it. When my soul saw that humanity had the ability to extinguish itself with the atomic bomb, I got busy and got to planet. And I was going to do whatever I could to calm it down. And with me was the third wave of energetic beings that were coming in with me. I was not alone, right? And before anybody gets into the conspiracy theories and, oh, Janine is this and, oh, Janine is that, number one, you don't know me and you cannot ever label me, all right? Number two, can I wait? I came with 100,000 other souls just to the North American continent because we love this planet. And the reason we care is because we cannot begin to contemplate the cease of existence of planet Earth. It's just too beautiful. We have to save this precious gemstone that this planet is and all the life on it. I I feel like when you when you said people can't give you a label, I was like, can I still call you awesome? But now <laughs> I was like, I, I was thinking about I have a lot of people that will say, oh, she's a reptilian in disguise. Don't let her do this. Yeah. Well, I get a lot of well feedback. that's I I definitely have a feeling that like when you said your soul came to earth at that point I feel like it may have also been other places like <laughs> I don't know what it's done but that's why earlier and I feel like this is almost like I left that there as a marker for myself where I said like who are you because I feel like People don't ask each other that. They'll say like, how are you? What do you do? What are your hobbies? What did you watch on Netflix? But I feel like once you lose your mind a significant amount or whatever the right phrasing is for that, you start seeing people. And if they know even anything, if I see someone, a one, if a drop of information is there, I'm not 
suspicious in a bad way. But my human biological mind is not curious on my other self is like, wait, who are you again? Wait, wait, are you from the other? Did you do you remember me? Do you know who I am? Can we talk about this other stuff? So I guess do you feel like your soul has a story outside of what it's done since it was born here? Of course it does. And have you gone into it at all? I don't have time. I'm too busy doing what I'm doing now. <laughs> See the busyness. So it all it's all tied together. So I guess I I guess we we are I'm we moved faster than I expected at all because there was no uh, obfuscation at all. There was just transparent, transparent, transparent. So I guess if someone at the end of all of this, um, like we have a few people who we've tried to identify. It's like a group of people that listens all the way through to like the like if it's a three hour episode, they'll listen in one go. So I guess if someone has held on to your energy and my awkwardness this whole time, <laughs> what do you think you were here to tell them, whoever is still listening to you? And Thank you for coming. I'm so happy that you're listening to the end of this transmission. We're happy that you are on planet. We know that you've been through a lot. We know that you have experienced tremendous heartache, but we also know the bliss that you have also experienced. And we know that you're doing good work. Keep anchoring the energy. Keep being here. Keep being that beacon of light. No matter how hard it may be for you, keep being that beacon because humanity is getting better. And don't let them tell you otherwise. It's just like sugar. You can never have too much sugar. <laughs> that's from Michael. But seriously, right. that's the thing. They're hanging on to the very end because they know. And you do know. And when people tell you you don't know, you don't have to listen to them. You continue living life the way you know is best for you. Yeah. And and I guess my when when you were saying just now that you were saying we and you were saying on planet i'm starting to like i've been hearing this in your voice the whole time but but you sound you sound similar to people who claim to be partaking in mediumship or channeling but you're saying this is from you but they can't present this information without claiming that it's from uh, an off-world being that is literally alive right now, communicating to them through a spaceship and telepathy is their mean. And I'm not saying this isn't possible. I'm just saying, why is your, and this is like a weird, like you said, it's like a, this is more about my story and somehow the audience has become completely irrelevant and it's creepy to me. Why do you sound like you're channeling, but haven't said it? And the other people I meet who say they're channeling don't sound like they're channeling, but they say they are. <laughs> it's, and yeah, what is happening? There are a lot of filters. There are a lot of filters in this world. And there's a lot of filters that you have to dissipate before you can get to the white space. 
And once you get to the white space, you know, you know that you know that you know, and nobody can tell you otherwise. It's almost, I feel like, uh, and it's, I don't even know what's happening. I feel like that, I guess, I guess I feel like if you had to say um, you would want, if this was, if this is the matrix, and if the reason that all the episodes prior to this, like literally the last three have been getting increasingly more like, uh, about people implying that this is a is a simulated reality of some sort or like not really constructed the way we think why why does this feel to me like this is the peak like why do i feel like you are the oracle and you were supposed to tell me something but now i don't know if it was the whole thing or if there's something that you still have to tell me so i guess what is that feeling i have like what and i'm what is happening like what is this your intention or is this the intention of a higher order is there a higher order am i saying these words where do you stand on this right now yeah i have permission to ask you a question yes you have all the permissions officially (laughs) henceforth uh except (laughs) unless unless you're a vampire you cannot come in Unless I'm not a vampire. (laughs) I'm not a vampire. (laughs) Okay. So my dear friend, it's been such a pleasure to be with you today. And I love it that you remember me. And I love it that you can see me. Very few can. So thank you for being who you are. So I'm going to ask you a question because I know you have the answer and it's going to come out of your mouth. What is happening today? I don't know. (laughs) Okay, ready? If you did know, what would you tell yourself? Ah, that this was always meant to happen. Why, though? I just don't know where I've even met you before. It's so weird. That's irrelevant. It's Ah. irrelevant. And that's an incorrect use of the English word. But I'm just saying, it's not relevant. It doesn't matter where we've met before. It doesn't matter how we met before. But... We as friends made a decision, and this is part of why it's very difficult for people to hear that there isn't a God the way they've been taught. There is a God like external is because we're all co-creative volunteers and we're playing in each other's journeys. Who better do you want to be an abusive spouse than your very best friend in the spirit world? Because they will know how far to push you before they break you fully. And this is not this is not good. People get very upset. I, I rarely can talk about the true aspect of every horrible thing that's happened to you. You actually have resources and abilities to understand why that did happen to you. Why were you like, as one person said to me, I was sexually molested when I was very young. And I said, why was that done? I have no idea why that was done. What have you learned from it? And then they would list off all the things that they have learned. I said, could you have learned that in any other way on this planet? And then they look at me and they go, no, no, I I, I know me. I know I would, right? They know themselves. They're like, I wish it wouldn't have been so traumatic. I wish that, I wish that, you know, of course, because we're human, right? I'm like, so can we now let go of that 
And can we move you into a more productive space with your life? And instead of hanging on to that as detritus that's dragging along behind you, let's free you from all that. And let's get you into a place of now that you have this high level of compassion, how do you want to express that as the divine being that you are? I'm, I'm so, if people knew the one minute of conversation we had before recording this, there would be like, there would be no way to tell where it was going. There would be no way. I said, I don't believe in time. And you said your last name rhymes with colon. And then I said, my last name rhymes with kaboom. And I feel like people need to know that it was pretty ordinary and from humble beginning, we have come a long way. And it's funny, earlier when you said no one can give you labels, I said, can I at least call you an old friend? Because I feel like that's where this is at right now. Uh, and I guess what I'm assuming you have a million things to do from what I've read about you and what I know now. But I guess in the idiot mystic tradition, what are you going to be doing literally right after you stop recording? Like, not in a planned way, but what are you actually going to do right after this? After this, I'm going to go take care of the body because I drank a lot of coffee. <laughs> okay, we can. We we decided to implement bathroom breaks. We should. I'll be more on top of that. I did don't know how to do it yet, but don't um, worry about it. I knew thank, what I was in for. <laughs> thank you so much for today. I actually feel. I feel weird. That's the best way to say it because because that you don't present yourself as what you really are, which I that's the way. That's the way. So it's fine. It's okay. I I see why you have to do this and I appreciate it and thank you and I really am bad at ending the recordings and you're a you're a broadcaster. So have you ever, do you ever say like, okay, I'm going to stop recording now and then stop recording? Did you ever used to do that? Oh, when I first started, I always knew where a good place was to end. And there is something I'd like to share with you before you end it, if that's all right. And that is, yeah. we, I would like to say, thank you for this platform. I have been so excited about being on this platform because I knew it would give me space to move. And I don't always have space to move, but I knew I would have space to move here. And I knew it would be a safe place. And I knew that you would have an audience that was craving to hear the message that I had to share. And the other thing is, I would love it if you would come on my show at some point. And for those of you that are still listening, still on it with us, I want to encourage you to always make up your own mind. You decide what is right for you. You decide what is wrong for you. And do not let anyone else tell you otherwise, especially when you've meditated, you become calm, and then you're inspired into some form of action realize that that form of action is in your highest and best good. Thank you. And and where do people find you where you would want to be found? Because <laughs> I'll include all the links. I'll include as many links as I can. But where do you feel like you would want them to find you out of all the places you can be found? I feel like the best one for this audience is come join me for my Open Friday coffees. It's free. And you can come on for an hour 
And if you can't make time for that, then go ahead and go on LinkedIn. Uh, they're going to have the link for you. But you find me on LinkedIn and you'll talk to my sweet little, um, my wonderful Lynette. She does all the social media. I do not sit on social media. I have people who do that for me. And uh, Lynette will be happy to connect you. And then she will have you sign up for Open Friday Coffee. That is how people get to me the quickest. And I just, I would like to add before we leave, your team is probably the most unique. I've met very many digital assistants slash people on the internet sending emails for people. They capture your energy. And I was a little weirded out at first. I was like, who are these nice, like pixie, like, creep? like what is this? What am I, what is happening? Who is Janine? What is it? The like the sugar plum fairy is coming <laughs> and then it it felt like that and now you did deliver you did it makes sense that you're they they're the the heralds of janine so they are such sweethearts i absolutely adore my team and they know it they know i just thrive because of them yes and i feel like this is you're probably the first uh and only like helper person coach doer who's ever mentioned their team oh i couldn't i couldn't be who i am without them hilarious there but (laughs) yes i love this thank you i don't know if i'm gonna be the same i don't know if i am the same i hope not i i feel like you downloaded some stuff maybe this was an update for me it was an upgrade yeah it was an upgrade it was something you wanted it was something that you were looking for and that was the only reason we could deliver is because yeah. it was an upgrade that you requested and you volunteered for. So thank you. We're going to talk about the we next time. Oh my <laughs> God. There's so much. I can't even, I don't, I don't want to end it. Have a good day. Enjoy your everything. All right. ah. Bye-bye. <laughs>